I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Bring, bring it fast. Bring it to the bank. Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. I'm Jay. I'm editor of the Eagles Beak, a Palace fan site by fans for fans. You can get us across all our social media channels at the Eagles Beak and obviously on our website, theeaglesbeak.com, which just hit eight years. Um, I'm also a producer and co-host of the Music and Sport Social, we've just renamed it, actually, a community radio show covering sport and music online. You can get us on all our social media channels at the Meridian SS. Hi, I'm Steve McGookin. I'm a Spurs fan based in Belfast. And previously, I was the chairman of the New York Spurs Supporters Club. Uh, you can get me online at Steve McGookin uh, or join the conversation at NY Spurs. And happy anniversary on the site, Jay. Cheers, Steve. Yeah, congratulations there, Jay. I briefly uh, appeared on that website, which helped rejuvenate my whole writing career, which uh, has proven to work out. So definitely uh, thank you for that and for all the fun times that Eagles Week has provided both fans and non-fans. We are here with good news that isn't just the Eagles Week related, though. It's that the Premier League is going to return. June 17th is the return date. Uh, There's going to be a little mini match week there for the games in hand that we're still at remaining before the full action returns that weekend, which I assume would be the 20th, if if that math checks out. But anyway, just delighted that the Premier League is back. Obviously, questions about the health aspects, but we'll get that to a second. But yeah, guys, just take us back in time a little bit to the moment when you found out that the Premier League would indeed be picking up and so soon. Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? I, I've been quite dubious about uh, sport returning for obvious reasons. You know, the UK are suffering quite badly on the coronavirus front when it, compared to other countries. And um, we've seen all the good work that Germany have done getting the Bundesliga back. And, and, and a lot of us have looked on quite you know, with jealous eyes, really, um, just in terms of how well they brought it back. And, and obviously Germany as a, as a country dealt with the pandemic um, probably as efficiently as they as they possibly could, which is what you'd expect from uh, expect from Germany. It, it, it's really good to be able to focus on the Premier League fans, but I think there's a bigger picture because there's obviously a lot of conversation around, you know, players whether they want to play or not, and that that's going to rumble on for a little while yet. But um, as as things stand, we're waiting for the uh, for, for some of the fixtures to come out in terms of. Uh, uh, how they're going to run for the first weekend, at least. We know that there's a couple of games uh, in that midweek on the 17th uh, for the teams that are playing catch-up. But uh, it's good to look ahead and have some focus on having the Premier League back. I think there's an argument as to uh, whether it should be coming back. Um, I understand the reasons why, the, the financial reasons why. And the you know, Premier League is big business in this country, as as football is in a lot, in a lot of countries. It generates a lot of money. For, but from a purely a fan perspective, Yes, there's not going to be fans in a stadium, which which will have an effect. It, it, it's not the same. It's not the same beast, is it? We've we've watched Bundesliga, and and personally, I've enjoyed watching Bundesliga other than probably the first weekend. And I think it's almost got to the point where you can you've got used to the fans not being there. I don't know if if you guys have felt the same. It just feels like, you know, it's it's almost part of the new norm. Um, whether that will come into play when when you when you have a, you know, a, an allegiance. You know, a true allegiance like the Premier League coming back and watching Palace and that kind of thing. Because you know, Palace aside, it's well known um, to have a, a a vociferous crowd behind them at, at Sellhurst, and that really, really does help. You know, push the team on a little bit. So that'd be that'd be very different. Um, but yeah, purely forward to, to to seeing how things work. 
um, how what 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 the Premier League have learned from watching Germany, because obviously the Bundesliga have a number of weeks um, ahead of the Premier League to get back. So um, hopefully they'll have learned a few lessons from from what the Bundesliga have done and uh, and pick up on some of those. So I'm 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 anxious about it, you know. But from a footballing perspective, I'm looking forward to seeing some football back in this country for sure. Yeah, absolutely agree with that, Jay. I think there's there is a combination, isn't there, of, of relief and trepidation. Mm. The idea mm. that uh, you know, if if something were to go wrong, uh, that that could just put pay to next season as well as, as uh, what's left of this one. Um, I mean, uh, the last podcast I was on with you, Kev, we had Doc Joshi on, and, and we were actually talking about the possibility of losing part of next season as well as this season if that if that had been like the worst case scenario was, uh, i was over uh, in london for the spurs man u game the weekend of march the 15th which was the sort of final um close down that was the um yeah that was the first weekend that that uh, the, 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 the games were was postponed and he, at that stage i i sort of thought uh, we're, we're not going to get this back we're not going to be able to to do this safely um I, but then I think once you, once we got our heads around the notion of there there being no fans playing it in front of no fans, I think the the equation possibly changed a little bit, and it became more manageable. It became more uh, imaginable the idea that uh, that we could do that. I mean the the testing I think like society as a whole, the testing is going to be central to how we address this going forward, and and the idea that we have just this. This one positive test this week uh, out of about 1,200, I think, seems very encouraging. And of course, as you said, Kevin, it, it would be a Spurs uh, a player. Um, I mean, that seems very encouraging, given that, that the first phase of testing uh, just a few weeks ago had had six positives, I think, out of a, out of a much smaller pool of tests. And so, uh, I think the original plan was to was to ramp up to like 2,000 tests a week, covering all the clubs. So hopefully. You know, we'll be able to, to to monitor that trend and keep that keep that uh, that sort of low number going, uh, and it'll be encouraging up up to and after June the seventeenth. So um, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm I, like Jay, I'm kind of relieved to have some semblance of normality in football back, but but it 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 obviously won't be as it was, and we'll have to uh, we'll have to just deal with that. I mean, the representatives of the clubs are. Are meeting tomorrow, um, but you know, two weeks from today, we're going to have that uh, that Man City Arsenal game, which was the first midweek game that was suspended. So, uh, but obviously, there you know, there are things for them to discuss tomorrow, and and they'll have one more meeting before the seventeenth. I understand uh, things like you know, what do they do about relegation if the season doesn't end? Uh, the number of substitutions. There's even you know the talk about doing away with VAR for the rest of the season. The Premier League obviously doesn't want to do that. It wants to keep the integrity of uh, uh, you know the, the 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 games that were played under other circumstances. Uh, but I saw today that the, the teams of the Premier League teams have been given permission to play friendlies uh, in the run up to the restart, which is kind of interesting. Obviously, there's a string of conditions. Uh, that go along with that. Obviously, they're not allowed to travel more than 90 minutes from from uh, their home ground, uh, and they won't be able to use referees because the testing regime for the referees hasn't been finalised yet. Uh, so, you know, there's 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 so many unknowns at the moment as we go into this. But I'm glad we're going into it, if you know what I mean. Uh, even though the the risks may be uh, may be controllable. Um, I mean, as far as the actual football is concerned, uh, you're going to expect to go back to the same quality. And, and Jamie had the point about the Bundesliga. You're not going to expect to go back to the same quality of of performance that you would have got had the season continued, obviously. And then <clears throat> fitness for the players after such a long layoff is going to be is going to be an issue. Yeah, obviously, given the higher temperatures in the in the summer months as well, that could be a that could be a factor, but um, you know. But then again, I suppose the Euros were just about to start up around about now, so that idea of extending the season would have been in a lot of players' minds in any case. So yeah, I mean, another thing that we're going to have to watch out for. It's going to be interesting uh, once we start up again. How, how many actual people have to be involved inside the stadium? Because I'm not sure they've they've sort of worked that out in terms of the the logistical 
detail of how those people get in, how they get out, how they interact while they're in the stadium, whether that's, you know, staff, uh, police, TV crew, that sort of thing. Uh, see that um, uh, Gareth Southgate said that he wouldn't be uh, he wouldn't be going to evaluate players at at uh, at games behind closed doors, but which makes perfect sense. I mean, that it avoids adding an extra sort of layer of bureaucracy and and, and safety safety precautions for him and, and whoever brings with him. So, you know, I let's let's get moving and let's see let's see how it goes and let's uh, hope that the Premier League has uh, you know with those considerations of obviously you have to weigh up the business aspect with the health aspect, but fingers crossed. Yeah, you obviously brought up a lot of points there. Uh, at, at least a little bit excited, though. Oh, excited, absolutely. But okay. still, you know, at, at the back of your mind, um, you know it's not sort of real football in a strange way because of the, the, the fact that there's no fans. But in a way, you know that that's the only practical way you're going to be able to do something like this. So, yeah, yeah excited to see it, absolutely. But, you know, there's still part of me that's, a little trepidatious. I, I'm I'm with you, Steve, on that. I, I very much am because obviously today, the UK reported another uh, over 300 deaths today, and that's still that's still a lot of. I, I'm not wanting to be negative on the subject in the slightest, but you know we are a country or a or a group of countries here in the UK that have suffered um, one of the countries that have suffered the most uh, during this pandemic, which is been absolutely atrocious and you know the right the right decisions have been made from a sporting perspective all the way along the, the trepidation that steve mentions there is is probably it's probably overriding my feeling of excitement at the moment because you know we're still reporting um you know a large number of deaths on a daily basis and the, the infection rate isn't going down quite as much and it's too much detail on detail on that because uh we're, we're not a pandemic podcast we're a Premier League podcast um that that is a nagging doubt in the back of my head a little bit, um, just in terms of it has to be right and the right thing, right things have to be done. And if a decision has to be made um, to the effect that the Premier League starts even and it can't continue, then you know um, that's that's got to be done. Safety's got to be at the forefront, which I know is what's trying to be done and why probably the Premier League are are behind the likes of the Bundesliga um, and, and 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 potentially other leagues as well. So I'm I, I I'm kind of I have that overriding feeling of um, you know kind of above the excitement part um, just at the moment. But I'm pretty sure once we get going and and we see things are working comfortably, then I think things might be a bit different. But, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm just on in, in that corner at the moment because it's. I think it's still, for me, I still think it's a little bit early um, just in terms of timing and, and things are happening in the UK at the moment just in terms of how the pandemic is um, still not under control, I, I would say. Um, and, and, you know, we look at Germany with, like I mentioned, jealous eyes because they, they have dealt with a pandemic probably one of the countries that dealt with it in 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 the in the best way possible. You know, obviously this is something that's come along which you know you, you, can, you know people talk about German efficiency and organisation. They've certainly done the best they can and they brought the Bundesliga back um, safely and you know um, for fans to be able to enjoy. But we've watched it um, for the last few weeks and you know we can watch. But the overriding feeling is that Germany didn't suffer as much as the UK haven't. Uh, just in terms of the effect of the pandemic. So I'm a little bit cautious, more than excited at the moment, unfortunately. You also, I think, you're absolutely right, Jay, but I think also you, di you didn't really get a sense from the German public that there was a clamour to return to normality or, or, no, or some right. sense of normality. You know what I mean? That they were, mm -hmm. they were content to, let, to trust their government to say, well, right, we've got to this point where this is actually possible. Rather mm. than sort of the, the, the public pushing that uh, perception from this totally. side. Totally, yeah, totally. Yeah, well, as you guys mentioned, the the health aspect is certainly a very important one. Uh, fortunately for the Premier League, as Steve mentioned earlier, there have been very few returned positive tests. The last round of testing yielded zero uh, positive results. Then the ones that were reported today uh, yielded one, which, is, as Steve mentioned is either a Tottenham staff member or player. Uh, no no confirmation of the identity, and we're told not to expect one. Um, but while this uh, pandemic does continue to rage on in the populace, it seems like that rate is incredibly low within the Premier League. Do you guys think that there will continue to be this kind of low-level testing and, and that we'll actually be able to get through football once it restarts? 
I, I think the results so far have been very positive, you know, more so than when you look at the championship. The championship had quite a few more uh, positive tests in, in, in there. I think if they had the first round of testing or they're on second, I'm not sure. Um, but I, I think I read earlier today has been nine positive tests in the championship. Um, so the Premier League have, have got away lightly on that. And um, hopefully that's a sign of things to come. You know, it's really positive to have that first uh, first initial positive step uh, on the route back to getting Premier League football back in some sort of capacity. Obviously, you mentioned, Kev, Steve mentioned, and, and everyone's of the same opinion that safety has to be at the forefront and the right things have to be done. So we can learn from what's happened in Germany in terms of getting the Bundesliga back. I hate to keep mentioning Bundesliga, but it's just something that, you know, we've got something to look at and we can see exactly how they've done it and try and replicate that kind of thing here, um, which, you know, just seems the most sensible thing thing to do because you know we should probably be following something that's just proved to be successful so far but from a yeah from a testing perspective it's, it's been really good news from that front and that's that's probably the the, the best thing that could have happened I, I think if there'd have been a, a, you know a, a glut of positive tests in the first and second rounds then it would have likely put a lot of players off um, I know there's a there's quite a few players out there in the Premier League that have a few doubts Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's some probably sitting on the fence a little bit just in terms of whether a football should be coming back. But I, this will give them confidence and this will give everybody involved in the game confidence. Actually, the Premier League can come back in a safe manner. So hopefully those tests will continue along similar vein. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And I think as each week goes on and we look, sort of learn from the experience of Germany, as you say, and any ways that we can isolate people who do test positive followed up with the with the proper care and testing uh i yes i i think that it is encouraging and as you say it sends a good message to uh to the players who may have been otherwise uh going back and forth on on whether or not this was this was going to work so yeah i mean <laughs> just when we, when we say i'm kind of positive about it it, it, it you, you have to think about well i'm in, i'm encouraged by it i'm not positive mm. about it and, uh, you know, it's, it's the old it's the old use of the language i remember once when uh, sorry to digress just for a second uh, when danny blanchflower was uh, commentating uh, the uh, north american soccer league uh, in the us and uh, and he was just way too critical he would just you know say that the, the players weren't very good and <laughs> And the CBS producer or whoever the network producer was came into the booth at halftime and he said, Danny, Danny, he said, you, you can't say that. He said, can you be more positive? And Danny said, well, I'm, I'm positive. They're not very good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. I, I, I think going back to the, the point you made there, Steve, is that, you know, this is this is something very new to everybody. And, you know, it's it's little steps at a time, isn't it? And I think if we can if we can grab in minimal positive tests in the early stages, then that's something that we can cling on to initially and, and take and take more steps forward at a, uh, perhaps a, a, a little a little bit of a quicker pace, maybe. Um, but I, I I sense a real you know a real sensitive uh, way of going about things by the Premier League. You know, we, we've not had an awful lot in terms of uh, publicity from the Premier League directly themselves in in view of what they what they're planning as such. It's all it's all kind of come through the you know, the media and the journalists rather than directly from the Premier League. So they've been pretty quiet on the subjects. But, um, uh, yeah, I'm, like you mentioned, I'm, it, it's, it's good news. So I think that's good news to start with and then we'll take a few more sets forward and see what the next bit brings. So, yeah, it's all very new to everybody, isn't it? So it's, you know, it's one of those, isn't it? It's, we don't actually know what's around the corner. So, yeah, it's encouraging. Yeah. Well, as uh, Steve also mentioned earlier, uh, the good news from all of this is that we're on the football calendar now, which will include these coming friendlies that the Premier League uh, clubs will be allowed to play no further than 90 minutes away uh, from their own grounds, have to travel in their own cars. And again, as Steve mentioned, uh, coaching staffs will do the refereeing so that they don't have to bring in actual referees to do it. Although I feel like I saw a statement from some referee that they wanted to be involved. But as, as things currently stand, those are the rules. Um do you guys think that this will help get players back up to fitness? Because we have seen with the Bundesliga, which obviously just 
restarted without friendlies. There have been some soft tissue injuries, which you'd kind of expect with players not having been able to play for the last couple of months. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Interesting one, isn't it? Because, you know, the break that we've had is is probably more so than, than players would have ever had in their in their career so far. Um, the summer isn't very long anymore for for footballers, you know, for the profession at all. Particularly if your if your season is extended for reaching finals or, or playoffs and that kind of thing. So, you know, that that summer kind of you know gets reduced quite a lot. Particularly when you're looking ahead to international tournaments like the Euros are supposed to have been, you know, this summer as well. So this is an extended period of time, and and again, it's a little bit of an unknown, isn't it? Because you know we don't know exactly levels of fitness that these players have been been up with at home but the, the reports are good um i think the uh i think sheffield united have reported some really good uh, uh results from 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 their players which which is good to hear and i'm, I'm pretty convinced that a lot of other players would have been the same but we all know that match fitness is completely different to to keeping fit on your own and you know doing the running and that kind of that kind of fitness actually playing football and, and that kind of thing is very different. And playing a game is, again, different to training with a ball on a pitch. So that's going to be interesting. And the Bundesliga, I know, have had a really large uh, number of muscle injuries during this first few weeks of uh, football being back. So, um, again, I think it's going to be um, play it by air a little bit, you know, for the first, for the first couple of weeks. And certainly these friendlies will help because match fitness is is probably the biggest thing which um if they can have some friendlies whatever kind of level that is that that will help um but it's going to be nothing like actually playing a full-on premier league game against a, a premier league opposition you, you can't you can't replicate that in in any kind of situation really i don't think um uh, uh, particularly at the top level so it's yeah again it's going to be uh, a very difficult situation because we don't we don't actually know. Um, you know, it's an enforced layoff for for a longer length of time than, than a lot of these players have ever experienced. So, on 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 a, on a purely you know, if you take the pan, put the pandemic to one side, it's probably a welcome rest uh, for for a lot of these players, particularly those who've been carrying niggling injuries. You know, a lot of the players um, will probably be come back fitter than they went you know, than, than they finished. Um, well from when the Premier League ended or was suspended even, I should say. So, yeah, it's going to, I mean, certainly friendlies will help, but it's not going to be at the same level. I, I mean, I, to be honest, I remember playing friendly games and I, I never understood the word friendly because when you're playing a game of football, it's it's a game of football. <laughs> and and as play, playing as a defender, you know, used to get a, a manager saying, oh, just, it's just 70, 80% because it's a friendly, it's pre season friendly, don't want to get injured for the season. But I just, I've never understood the word friendly. I've just played, and I know there's players out there, certainly in the Premier League, that will, that will probably be the same. Actually, I need to play proper match of football and 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 just kind of test my body a little bit. So that's that's going to be interesting in itself. Yeah, I know. Right, really, the only the only real friendlies are are training games within your own. When you think about it. I think the, the challenge for the players uh, was when the season was suspended, they didn't know how long it was going to be for. Mm. So in a way, when you're organizing your training regime, uh, I would guess that you know, it was harder for them to actually try and envisage coming back to competitive to a competitive game at some point. 
Uh, I think the friendlies will help, um, if only from a very basic uh, standpoint of, of letting the players work out things like how to tackle. I mean, how much physical contact they're, they're going to feel comfortable with uh, and that sort of thing. And just getting back into the, the whole muscle memory of, of what you do when you're playing and how closely you mark someone and, and, and just things like that. So that just the, the, the physical uh, manifestation of just being on a pitch with, uh, you know, 21 other players is actually going to going to be very important. So does anybody know how many friendlies they, the, the clubs think that they're going to be able to squeeze in before the 17th? Logistically, it can't be more than two, right? Right, right. I've not seen anything definitive out there. I know there's clubs out there that have suggested the, the want to have friendlies. I'm not sure whether every Premier League team will do it. Um, it's going to be interesting in itself to see, you know, which yeah, one step forward and like, yeah, like yeah. relearning a whole sort of way in which to, you know, play under these new circumstances. Mm. But uh, mm. and 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 clearly, you know, some some players might adjust to it better than better than others. Mm. Yeah, it'll certainly be interesting to see how that all all of that goes. And yeah, if if one club chooses to try to squeeze in three and another club only does one, is it more of a benefit to the the team that's then fresher? Or more of a benefit to the team that has more uh, air quotes game minutes under their legs. Yeah, uh, these are these will all certainly be narratives that we'll have to track through the remainder of the season. Um, there has uh, been conversation ever since talk of restarting the season came back about the idea of neutral venues. The Premier League obviously proposed a full neutral venue plan, and it failed so terribly that we never heard anything about that proposal ever again. Um, but there are still requests based on it sounds like it was a poll of regional police uh departments and that might be an americanism um <laughs> of how they should handle certain key matches uh like the north london derby like the x match which is in the report which is meant to represent any match in which liverpool could win the title um, right. other key clashes like that i know newcastle were on there because of uh all of the mike ashley stuff and that fans might want to mm. protest around the stadium um but do you guys think that it's weird to get rid of the whole neutral venue plan but then still have some matches happen with it this annoyed me a little bit actually kev um just reading between the lines and uh um you know the, obviously the premier league uh, the fa are, are talking to the the appropriate uh, police authorities in, in different areas and identifying potential games where there could be problems with fans gathering and that kind of thing uh, i'm not going to go off topic too much here but before fans are given the opportunity to actually see their, their their sport come back and be played, they're trying to make decisions on those fans misbehaving and doing what they shouldn't be doing. Whereas we've just had a number of instances in the UK where beaches have been packed with people. There's protests in London today um, where nobody's social distancing. The people on the beach are not social distancing. This guy, and, and that's not being dealt with at the same kind of level and it's the same thing about football fans being treated in a certain way before anything happens i know i know it's been previous um but surely let's get the let's get football back and i i kind of understand it in a certain respect because there's certain situations where you know potentially in merseyside derby it's the same game you know there could be fans gathering outside but i don't think football fans in this country are in that kind of um so, I mean, we saw it in the Champions League, didn't we, before the season was suspended, um, particularly the PSG, uh, the Borussia Dortmund game. There were a lot of PSG fans outside the ground. I think there was a few thousand of them outside the ground for that. And I, I totally understand the, the kind of police looking towards that and thinking we can't have that happen in this country because that sort of thing, um, which I kind of get. But I don't think... That's the way of English football fans. I, I don't, you know, maybe it would be different if if there's a game where Liverpool would win the title. I don't know. Maybe I'm underestimating Liverpool fans here. I, I don't really know. But I, I'm, I was kind of a little bit, maybe I was being sense, insensitive, uh, being sensitive about it because you know I kind of felt a little bit insulting that they're thinking about that kind of eventuality. And I know they have to try and think of all the eventualities, but you kind of get what I mean. Thinking that they might be troubled by football fans when actually, you know. 
things are happening within the UK at the moment where you know the same rule isn't being applied to see that kind of thing but yeah I, I, I kind of get it um, but um, I, again the Bundesliga aren't playing at neutral grounds so no reason why we shouldn't we, we should be using neutral grounds really yeah yeah no I, I, I agree with pretty much all of that uh, Jay I think that this this whole concept of the the integrity of the game which you hear being sort of trotted out every so often mm. the, the essence of that is that the the constraints are the same on every team as far as possible uh, in order to keep that uh, regularity through the season. So, mm. um, you know, I, I, it looks like the, the Premier League have decided to sort of kick the can down the road a little bit here and not make a firm decision for a while. Yeah. Um, but obviously it's something that, and obviously it's something that <clears throat> involves other agencies than just the league and the clubs and the league wants to, Obviously, wants to keep the number of neutral ground games at a, at a minimum, uh, but it, it might end up being the sort of thing where decisions get made very late in the day, um, mm. just because you know we we have no control over events in terms of you know is there a regional or a local spike in coronavirus mm. cases or or things that we have control over not. So and and also another thing to, to bear in mind is you know what happens when the pubs reopen. Um, how do you how do you regulate how people watch a game uh, in, in the pub? Because you know I know that was a big that was a big consideration about the idea of just well we'll play all the games behind closed doors and broadcast them uh, and people we don't want people you know gathering in the in the pub and and the other thing of course is what we, we were talking about the potential games where Liverpool could win the title and I know it's been sort of bandied around that that they could play those games at Wembley. Um, so, I mean, what happens if what happens if they lose that game, and so their next game also becomes a game at which they could win the title? Do they go back to Wembley and play there again? I mean, there's there's just so many sort of unknowns around anything. I think if there's one good thing that we can take out of this whole argument is uh, I think the Merseyside Derby is scheduled for is it the first weekend that we're back, Kev? I'm I'm pretty sure it's the first weekend back. First um, so in a way, we're going to have to address that issue pretty early. Um, and obviously, Everton want to want to play the game at Goodison, but uh, you know, I think as I say, a decision will probably end up being made um, quite quite close to the actual um, quite close to the actual game itself. I mean, the functions obviously have to rest with the <clears throat> the local authorities in conjunction with the police and the safety advisors and, and that sort of thing, and and they'll have mm. to investment around each game at, at each time but uh, yeah it, it is hard to it's hard to predict but as I say this this notion of a consistency that everything should be the same for every team uh, you probably have to suspend that for, for a while. Mm-hmm. Do you guys think that Liverpool fans in particular have been harshly targeted by this whole thing or do you think it's just because they're the team closest to winning the title with the context of how long it's been that, that they'd expect in particular, that yeah. fan base to have this reaction, or yeah, I was just curious yeah. because it, it keeps being drug up that it's Liverpool. It's kind of the air quotes issue. No, I think I think it's exactly that, Kevin. Exactly what you said. I think it would be the same for if any other team were in that position. Uh, you would you would have the same issue to deal with. All right. Well, then we'll move on from there. Uh, we already oh, talked. But, but, yeah. but then. <laughs> Sorry, but then you have the other the other consideration of their victory parade. What do you, what do you do? Uh, <laughs> you know, after after they do win the title, how do how do you organize a socially distanced victory parade? Everybody, you know, get in your cars and open a Zoom call. <laughs> but, <laughs> there's, there's there's so many considerations that go along with this, but um, yeah, we'll we'll just we'll see how it works out. That, that's. That's exactly the thing, though, isn't it? There's so many different things to think about here. You know, not just about, you know, let alone getting a game of football back on without a crowd there. Obviously, taking the crowd away takes a, takes away the biggest element issue here. Um, but obviously, you know, managing 100 people within a stadium is probably relatively easy. Maybe I'm under-egging it a little bit there, but I'm assuming that that is relatively straightforward to kind of manage. Um, but yeah, you, you just hit an iron head there, Steve, because, you know, there's so many different permutations to think about, you know, in the, you know, Liverpool winning the title and the, you know, the, the, the victory parade that they would necessarily want to do and that kind of thing. 
so many things to think about and you, you kind of think well, what yeah what about that what about this and it's i i i'm just glad i'm not in a a government capacity issues or you know try or in a in a sporting body like the premier fa trying to get football back i, I certainly don't envy anybody in, in a position that has to make these decisions and talk about these because we can talk about it on a podcast and just band around ideas and our views but we're not making decisions and yeah, I'm. I'm just glad I'm not in that uh, in in that sort of corner. Hmm. Although I am frankly offended that we haven't been asked yet. But <laughs> <laughs> no, but absolutely fair. Yeah, I, I certainly don't. I certainly don't envy anybody who has to make a binding decision for, oh. for two or three weeks from now. Yeah. I think that there has to be a built-in flexibility that allows people to deal with the situation as it is at the as close to the game time as as possible. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, well, we'll shift a little bit from there to talk about uh, something at an actual football club that has nothing to do with COVID at all. Uh, Ralph uh, Hassenhudel, who uh, was widely praised upon his hiring at Southampton, did a really good job uh, keeping them up last season. Then this season didn't start off so well, including a 9-0 loss to Leicester, but turned it all the way around, ended up beating Leicester in the reverse fixture obviously beat Tottenham and Chelsea as well since then. He's now been rewarded with a new four-year contract. We're just curious to get your guys' thoughts on him getting that extension, especially considering where they started the season. I, I think it's probably just reward for the work he's done. I mean, nobody envisaged what would happen after such a 9-0 defeat. It could have completely gone in the opposite direction, couldn't it? But they've used it as a positive. They, they've, you know, nobody wants to lose... A game in that manner, um, but they were completely and utterly thrashed in that game, weren't they? Let's let's face it. And I'm talking from experience because uh, uh, my my team lost nine 0 a number of years ago um, up at Anfield, which uh, which wasn't a very nice experience. But it it actually worked out to be a, a positive in that season for for us, and it's worked out very very similar for Southampton. And a fair play to them, really, because you know. This day and age, you don't really get those big results in the Premier League. Um, you know, certainly those, that that level, you know, nine goals by, and it wasn't even. No offense to Leicester, but it, it wasn't even a top six side. I mean, yes, they're a top six side at the moment, but it's you know, what I mean, it's not one of the big names handing out a thrashing to somebody. Um, I, I I think it's I think it's just rewards um, uh, for them. To, you know, to, for them to offer him a new contract. Southampton are a club who. Um, try and do things the right way um and they brought in um you know this guy and if you're not if you're not a follower of continental football then you wouldn't have known anything about him like a lot of people in this country but um knowing his background in germany he's he was very highly rated uh, as a coach and he's come in and you know got his feet under the table pretty well and you know apart from that 9-0 um you know they've got on well i mean obviously they're not safe yet this season there's still a bit of work to do but um, I think it's yeah, I think it's fair enough. I think it's a good move from Southampton um, to get a bit of continuity there and and to and to reassure both fans and players and 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 it's something for them to build on. Yep, no, I, I absolutely. I've been kind of impressed with him uh, since he arrived, and and four years are kind of a, a long contract by by modern standards, I suppose. Mm. But uh, but the Southampton fans seem to be pleased, and uh, I, I have saw a lot of them, you know, on on social talking about uh, what has impressed them was his mental strength after that nine 0 defeat. The fact that they were able to rebuild and were able to sort of bounce back from from a, a result that certainly would have uh, would have tested a, a lesser individual, and and also organizationally, um, he and his management team seem to have spent the lockdown period very constructively, um, uh, putting together like a European-style structure for player development right down into the Southampton youth sides. So um, so clearly he's sort of laying the, the groundwork and, and planning ahead for, for the folks after this this contract extension. So uh, good luck to him. I mean, I, you know, there's another couple of Premier League managers who might be uh, technically, obviously less secure, but but you know this is an unusual season, and uh, and we might we might end up with managers being cut a little bit more slack than they than they would normally uh, would normally expect, and of course there's the issue of whether Potch will actually end up in charge of Newcastle, but that's you know maybe for us, for another discussion. <laughs> yeah, uh, for those wondering, Southampton currently 14th on 34 points, seven points clear of 
the mess that is below them. Um, yeah, it, it's absolutely incredible what he's done. And it's it's weird the amount of talent that has come and left that club, even in even in this modern era, not even that, that period where basically every year their best player went to a different club. But uh, it seemed like they couldn't get the best out of Buffal for a while. They couldn't get the best out of Tadish. They didn't really have a striker. Um, and it seems like they've landed on some of that. Uh, obviously, Tadic doing well at Ajax, but... Uh, Buffal's back. I'm pretty sure he scored against Tottenham uh, in one of the cups this season. Um, seems like they've landed on uh, Ings as their man up front, even though he, he does get injured from time to time. They've they've decent enough players behind him to deputize, but yeah, it, it really seems like they're kind of hitting an upward momentum. Time will tell uh, with the summer if that's able to continue. But they're still a pretty young side, so if they can figure it out yeah. under Hasenhutl, who has a very clear vision. Jay, I know you mentioned his coaching credentials. Um, we used to have Sam Cox mm-hmm. on, on the show, uh, and that's what we talked about, is they finally got the manager. The squad and mm-hmm. the manager were a problem. Then they yeah. got the manager. Now you just have to worry about the players behind him, and, and they do have talent. So it'll really be interesting to see uh, if you know he's there for all four years, because as you mentioned, Steve, that's a pretty long contract. Um, especially in this modern era, but yeah, if he's there all four years, I'm I'm pretty sure that in that fourth year, Southampton won't be battling down and around the relegation fight uh, at that point. But time will obviously tell on that. Um, we will finish with a uh, much more somber note. Obviously, the coronavirus not the only thing happening in the world right now. After the death of George Floyd, there were a number of protests in uh, Germany by players. Uh, in the Bundesliga uh, fixtures this past weekend, the uh, German footballing uh, organization. Wow, we have a podcast called Bundesliga for Beginners, and that's why, because I don't even know the name of that group. But uh, they confirmed that they aren't going to be uh, punishing any of those players. FIFA going out of their way to mention uh, that league should consider the context before punishing any players that do this. So it sounds like the FA will go along with that as well. Uh, but just wanted to get your guys' thoughts on on that role that footballing bodies have of of not punishing significant protests like the ones that we're seeing and are sure to continue seeing. It's interesting in Germany actually, and uh, and their organisation decided not to punish uh, Jaden Sancho particularly. Um, I was out in Germany just before lockdown. Uh, luckily, I would say because it was my first trip to. Uh, the Western Fallen Stadium to see Borussia Dortmund, which was an amazing experience. I have to say, my my first and won't be my last experience of German football and the whole fan culture. Um, and interestingly, I, I'm not going off on tangent here because that weekend Borussia Dortmund played Freiburg, and it was a weekend of quite a lot of protests in German football. I don't know if you guys uh, remember it happening. Um, happened at the Bayern Munich game uh, against Hoffenheim. And it also happened at a Borussia Dortmund game. I didn't know any German at the time, so I didn't really know what was going on. And the game was halted for like six minutes. Um, and uh, there was a lot of angst in the uh, in the yellow wall. But um, digress a little bit there, there. There were there were no particular sanctions. But this is an organisation that they're a modern organisation, I would say, because as we know, the Bundesliga is uh, very fan orientated, um, the ownership and that kind of thing. And you should probably listen to the uh, the Bundesliga podcast that uh, that Kev mentioned there to uh, to hear a bit more about that. But it's really interesting to hear how um, you know the views on that. And I'm pretty sure that if the Bundesliga hadn't made that decision, uh, i.e., not to sanction Jaden Sancho, and it had happened in the Premier League, I would expect the Premier League to have done the opposite and sanctioned somebody uh, to have done similar in this country. As the Bundesliga have taken the lead, it's probably likely that. Um, anybody else doing it may not be sanctioned if it happens again. Um, it might have been a, a little running in the year, maybe. But I, I, I have difficulty with mixing politics and um, and sport. Um, but I, I do know that they are pretty much intertwined a lot of the time. And you know, this isn't just a political issue. It's uh, it's a much bigger issue than that. And uh, we've experienced, not to the same level, of course, that's happening in, in the US, but we've experienced a number of issues ourselves uh, in the Premier League, uh, particularly this season uh, when it comes to race and also down the footballing pyramid in this country. So um, it's something, it's a subject that kind of hasn't, it's probably come to the forefront a lot more in, 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 in probably the last 18 months or so, uh, particularly in football. Um 
and yeah i when i saw james Sancho do that i it, it it put a smile on my face i think more than anything else because there are a lot of things happening in the world right now which you know we can't be comfortable with and you know sometimes it needs people to express themselves in a way that they feel like they want to without pushing the boundaries and i think sometimes you know this this kind of thing is needed um and i think the right thing's been done um and it kind of shown you know putting it pinning their colors on the flag as, as it were um to actually you know support what they want to support in that way and we should all be supporting um you know that similar message across the board to be quite honest because there's a lot of things like i mentioned happening that are uncomfortable in the world right now but what's been happening in the us and you know this this is kind of a long-running thing it's it's been happening before the unfortunate fortunate death of george floyd but um it's kind of come to a head isn't it really uh and the us are probably paying for it uh, at the moment with what's going on so i really feel for people that are suffering because of it and struggling because of it um and yeah the right things need to be done um and it's going to take a lot of time to recover from unfortunately i couldn't agree more Joe. i think that's absolutely right and uh, and that was a good that was a good decision by the bundesliga um mm. And, and another thing that the Premier League can learn from, as you were saying, we're, we're watching everything that they're doing uh, uh, as an example to, you know, what to do, what not to do. And that's just one more thing that we can learn from. I mean, you know, there, there have been significant demonstrations across Europe um, uh, the past few days, uh, big ones in London and in Belfast uh, just today. And that's, you know, a reminder that this, this movement has been internationalized. Uh, and it's it's probably only likely to become more so, even though it is centered on a, an event in in the U.S. Um, but as the uncertainty in the U.S. continues, then it, it's probably going to keep gaining momentum. Um, uh, the, the statements of conscience that led the players in Germany to put the messages on their shirts that seems a small thing to do, but it means a lot in the in the overall force of the moment, the force of the argument. And I think it would be such a powerful statement, you know. Um, given, given that players can't celebrate gold traditional way, if, if their white colleagues were able to join them in taking a knee, um, for example, you know, it, it, to celebrate a, celebrate a goal, that would be, I think, something significant and, and symbolic. I mean, other sports uh, in, the, in the U.S., baseball teams have all <clears throat> issued statements the last week or so, uh, as has Major League Baseball, which, of course, is just got finished uh, celebrating the legacy of Jackie Robinson as it does every every April, every year in April. Uh, and there's been some very powerful personal statements um, by players like like Dexter Fowler and, and Sean Doolittle, for example. And, and, and I hear what you're saying, Jay, about um, keeping politics out of sport. And it's all very well having having that as a as an ideal, um, but but sports is something that involves human beings and inspires a human reaction, and and I think it's pretty much impossible to keep the two apart. Uh, sport is is a part of what life is. It's a reflection of us with all the you know the flaws and the problems that go along with with life. And often you know we we try to use sports as an escape from the real world, but but really we shouldn't because it is part of our our real world. Um, anyway, not not to get sort of too taken off in a in a in a, in a tangent, but I, I mean we could probably spend the entire podcast just talking about this. But uh, but it's more it's more than fifty years now since um, Tommy Smith and John Carlos you know raised their fists on the podium at the Olympics, and we're we're still sort of having discussions about how to resolve something that's been tearing America apart for for much longer than that. Uh, and I think what what has what has happened now is and brought this to a head is we're we're seeing what we're seeing this this could be a tipping point in that conversation for for no other reason than I think the um, the sides are probably clearer now than they ever have been and it's it's harder for ordinary people to turn away and and I think if sport even in a small way can help in in facilitating that conversation then then that can only be a good thing. Yeah, I certainly agree and. If uh, you're in a position where you can help out, there's certainly uh, places that you can donate to online um, to help people in the States as, as this all happens, as the protests happen mid-pandemic, mind, because uh, that's the level of importance that this carries. Because while everybody's dealing with COVID-19 right now, 
a lot of Americans have been dealing with racism for far longer than the last couple of months. So uh, we'll leave things there. Uh, obviously not the uplifting end to the pod that we'd hope, but hopefully in time uh, we'll be able to look back on this as just a dark chapter and not a dark future. Uh, thank you guys so much for coming on today. It was a pleasure, despite having to talk about some very real things. Uh, if you'd like to tell folks where they could find you or anything you're working on, especially now that football is on the build back up, uh, feel free. Yeah, thanks for inviting me back on, Kev. It's, uh, it's been great uh, chatting to you guys. Um, Eaglesbeak.com, check out the website. We've had quite a few lockdown articles, lockdown diaries, we called them. Uh, they're, lit- they're basically fans that sharing their views, experiences, um, and just looking back at certain times in their palace supporting life. Uh, and some of them haven't written before. They, they've just used lockdown as uh, a period of kind of reflection and tranquility and written a few articles. And there's some really good ones on, I have to say. And if you're not a Palace fan, you're a football fan, some of them will probably relate to you because uh, some of them are really well written, I have to say. So head on over. TheEaglesBeak.com is our, is our website. We're across all the social media channels at The Eagles Beak. And also just a quick plug of another podcast. Because my radio show, community radio show, hasn't been on, been able to go on air uh, for obvious reasons, We've done a few podcasts lately. We're on episode five and we, we've just done a, a few, uh, had a couple of guests on this kind of thing. And it, some of them are local guests, but I think they're quite fun to listen to. So if you want something a bit different, head on over to the Music and Sports Social, which is on Facebook, Instagram, and also Twitter. Uh, Twitter handle is We're on iTunes. Uh, check them out. Our links are all over our social media. So if you want something different to listen to uh, sporting podcasts, then uh, head over and uh, give us a listen. Many thanks. The uh, lockdown diaries idea sounds great. Yeah, I have a couple of uh, Palace uh, fans or friends here. I'll, I'll recommend them to that. Uh, thanks again, Kevin, for for having me on. It's been a it's been a great uh, discussion, if a little sobering, <laughs> I think, for <laughs> for so many reasons. But um, uh, I'm Steve McGookin, and uh, you can reach me on Twitter at Steve McGookin. Uh, if you wanted to check out any of my non-football writing. Uh, I am an associate editor at Northern Slant. You can get it at, at Northern Slant or northernslant.com here in Belfast. Uh, thanks again, and fingers crossed for uh, the next time we speak, we'll be uh, talking about the triumphant return of the Premier League. Yeah, and I'm your host, Kevin DeVries. You can find me on Twitter at Kevroff, as I alluded to in the middle of uh, maybe inappropriate time to bring it up. We also have a new Bundesliga show, which you can find uh at Bundesliga Pod on Twitter. The show is actually called Bundesliga for Beginners, though, as me, Jamie, and Jim, who all uh, frequent this podcast, fumble our way through learning about the Bundesliga while John McKenzie tells us how dumb we are and whips out incredible Bundesliga knowledge and facts. Uh, so definitely worth checking out there. Also, the championship show, I'm sure, is about to get going again. Uh, with the EFL confirming that they will complete their season despite protests from some of their clubs. <laughs> so that is uh, going to be an interesting one for sure. But yeah, anyway, thank you guys so much for taking the time today. It was a pleasure as always, and we hope you keep listening. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.